0: Change and we're prepared for it with new technique and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. We're ready to have a em, What, em, what em, we were trying
1: to say, got to walk on. walk on. walk, on. walk on. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. To reach Devin Wade with a question or comment, follow him on Twitter at #Waysword. Be a part of the group on Facebook by joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group or liking the page. Welcome to episode 25 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, and of course you can access that through iTunes, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Not sure which way you were able to access it, but all of those ways are available, so if you'd like to share... That information with a friend, we certainly appreciate the love and support. And for episode 25, we have a very interesting conversation coming up in the second half of the show with Dr. Charles McClelland, the athletic director for Texas Southern University. And uh, in the first half, we have headlines, balling or falling. We have uh, a new segment that we haven't incorporated in the podcast, Sports E. That's sports entertainment, and I'll tell you more about that. And the We the People Segment where we look at a poll question that I posted on my Facebook page It's sports talk with Devin Wade the page and the group in addition to that we have the quote of the week. And before I let go, uh, with that, I want to bring in my guy, Kevin Allen, the Silver Fox. How are you doing, Kevin? Hey, I'm
0: doing great. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Uh, We are trying to grow the brand of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. That's a job unto itself. It's one thing to sit here and talk about it. It's another thing to have to kind of beat the drum so people can come and listen to it. And uh, I have a new logo. You guys will be seeing a new logo. We're going to get some gear And we're going to find a way to give away some of that gear. And one of the things we're going to start doing is uh, we're going to shout out to all the people who have subscribed on SoundCloud and rated us on either SoundCloud or iTunes or made a comment. So I'll be going through and I'll read your comments if you post a positive review. I mean if you tear us down, uh, I'll try to do my best to delete that comment. But if if you if you hey, have something take nice. The good with the bad. If you have something nice to say, we'll do a big shout out and again at some point we'll be giving away some free a sports talk with Devin Wade, a, a T shirt, maybe a coffee mug. Uh we'll see here in the near future. But we want, we need that love and we want you guys to continue to spread the word. And what's interesting, Kev, is that, you know, trying to get people to listen to the podcast, for people who aren't familiar with listening to podcast, you would think that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like sell them stock or, or do some sort of financial transaction. A guy called, he said, he, he says, man, I listen to you every Saturday. I, I I love the show and man, I wish you guys won't longer. And I said, well, if you like that, you would really like the podcast. Well, I don't know about all that. And first of all, you know, it's free. It's just a way to access Uh, more content. And and it's so hard to convince people to buy in, but we certainly thank uh, you all who have. And again, we look forward to that audience growing even bigger and better as we do a lot of fun things. So uh, again, iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud. You can tweet me at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And you can uh, tweet Kev at
0: at Alan, Alan Ron 10, at Alan Alan Ron 10.
1: Got a lot of feedback from episode 24. You, love you, it. You, you were quite controversial. I you made it. me mad. I, <laughs> so, I wrote you on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's what it's all about, having those sorts of dialogues. Uh, about uh, interesting and controversial sometimes controversial topics so uh just to preview what we have coming up again headlines balling or falling sports e and we the people quote of the week or quote of the episode and of course in the second half of the show dr charles mcclellan without uh, further ado let's get started with headlines Well, in the headlines, Miami Dolphins' season may be over as quickly as it started because quarterback Ryan Tannehill suffered a non-contact knee injury and will, quote, miss significant time. Now, we're talking weeks and months and maybe if he has that surgery season ending, does that mean anything for Colin Kaepernick? Not bloody likely, because one of the names being thrown about as a possible roster replacement, if he does in fact miss the season, is Jay Cutler, who recently retired. And and I, Kev, we'll get a little bit into the the Colin Kaepernick thing because it's just a story that just won't go away. Uh, But Miami, he's been he said some positive things about Fidel Castro. And if you understand the environment and the culture of South Florida with so many Cuban expatriates, uh, you cannot say anything positive about Fidel Castro. So uh, you talk about a controversial fan base, uh, a controversy among your fan base. Miami will not be the place that Colin Kaepernick uh, will end up, but we'll get more into that. And not, you know, we don't do much soccer. I, I think one of our more popular episodes, we did talk soccer. But one of the top two or three soccer players in the world changed teams this week, and when Neymar in, in, in soccer, they, I guess uh, they go by one name. They, they, they just Beyonce Neymar, uh, they go by one name. But Neymar leaves Barcelona. To join uh, Paris Saint Germain, and PSG paid a record two hundred and sixty-three million dollars for a transfer fee. Now that's not counting his money. You just paid two hundred sixty-three million dollars to negotiate with him. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that, Kev? I mean, that's absolutely crazy.
0: Now, when I when I first saw that, it kind of confused me. I didn't know if that was a contract he was again getting or that's it was one a team buyout
1: paying another that team was on to the buyout, it. right?
0: Now, did, did did he accept that buyout? Yeah,
1: or? I guess he – yeah, I guess he's I, I don't know if he signed the contract or still under contract or he's extended his contract. But, yeah, $263 million just to get him.
0: Wow, that's, that's – that's,
1: hey, that's, that's, That he soccer has, money is real. Yeah, like, maybe we need special, to talk man.
0: Yeah, it got to be something special. You just think about the return that he's going to get if he signs that and goes over to, to the other uh, soccer club.
1: See, I only know three soccer players. Pele. Well yeah. Well no, well, I know if you want to talk about old school. Ronaldo. Uh no, uh what is it? Messi. I know Messi. I know Christian. Yeah, Ronaldo Ronaldo. Cri- Christian, mm-hmm. Ronaldo, uh Pele. Mm-hmm. You know we 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 love Pele. And Beckham, right? And, and Beckham, that's it. Yeah. And so, but that
0: but the return with we those had a guys guy were here. awesome though.
1: We had a guy here that was good. Um Short guy. Well, they all short. I mean, even no, they more like five eight or something like that. So anyway, uh, so that's the extent of our soccer talk for this episode. Uh, in baseball news, you Darvish shut out the New York Mets and allowed no runs and just three hits and with uh, 10 strikeouts through seven innings last night uh, as the Dodgers beat the New York Mets. And again, the trade deadline is coming gone. And that was a big acquisition. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that in Ball in the falling about uh, the trade deadline and who did what and who didn't. Uh, but the Astros last night ended a three game losing streak with a 16 7 win over the Blue Jays. Astros had lost six of nine. They have lost six of nine. And also later uh, today, uh, Hall of Fame induction for Pro Football, which again was a, I've been there twice. And Kevin, I know you're not a, your a basketball guy first. And i tell you what, the probably the best Hall of Fame is probably baseball. I haven't been at the Cooperstown, which Bagwell, Jeff Bagwell was inducted this week. But I will tell you this, the pro football, Hall, even if you're not a football guy, it's such a great environment and you're just immersed in the culture. We did some broadcast from uh, from Canton a couple years ago when Michael Strahan went in and that was just, it was a great thing. It's one of my, my favorite uh, things to watch annually Uh, When you hear these guys talk about their careers and their lives and it's just worth watching. So if you don't have anything to look at, check that out uh, later today. Jason Taylor, Kurt Warner, LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, Terrell Davis, Morton Anderson, and Kenny Easley going in. And and the Cowboy fans are just going crazy because uh, Jerry Jones is getting in. And I I think that they should do this. I think that there should be a separate wing for like owners and GMs and and not for people who played. I think the gladiators on the field should have their own part of the Hall of Fame. And then the owners, I mean, because Jerry Jones obviously was an important, important owner uh, and, and is important to the game of football, but he shouldn't go in with the with the true warriors of the game. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on Jerry Jones? You know? I
0: mean, now I'm not sure about a separate wing, but he, he's very deserving about going into the Hall with what he's done uh, for the Dallas Cowboy organization along with the NFL and, and transcends a lot of things that he's done. you make team. money, you can make the Hall of Fame. In yeah, the NFL. man, but he's created a culture there that's that, that's unbelievable, man. He's kept the Cowboys relevant even through some tough times, keeping the sales up. So he he's done some things that he's well-deserving.
1: Yeah, so I mean, a lot of stuff went uh, went on this week, but those are sort of uh, this episode before this episode. By the way, I want to tell you guys, we are going to do NFL previews in the coming weeks, and we're going to be cranking out a lot more episodes in the month of August. So a lot of content you'll, got, you'll get. Uh, so you definitely want to subscribe and uh, and, and be a part and interact. And, and again, one of the ways to do that, in addition to listening, is go to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook, and you can tweet me at Wade's Word on Twitter. Uh, with that, want to go to a segment we call Ballin' or Fallin'. That's when we decide if a pro athlete is, uh, is he on his way up, or is he, is he ballin' or is he falling. Uh, this week's three nominees, uh, the first one is Conor McGregor. And let me sit the stage, and you can tell me if he's ballin' or fallin'. So obviously we're weeks away from uh, the big matchup with Floyd Mayweather. Well, we're hearing that the sales are not going so well. So one of the things he has to do to get ready as a MMA guy, he hasn't had a lot of boxing experience. He brought in former, I guess, champ, Paul Malignaggi. I'm sure he had a title at some point somewhere. Probably uh, Malignaggi has been sparring with him. And early reports were that he was really whooping Conor McGregor. McGregor looked pretty bad. Well, McGregor's camp posted a picture of Malinaji on the canvas as if Conor McGregor knocked him out. Well, Malinaji became incensed about this, left the camp, and said, Hey, I didn't get knocked down. I was pushed down. And if truth be told, look at the film. Let him release the tape on how I put those paws on him. So, uh, I mean, going up to the fight with the buildup, is Conor McGregor balling or falling?
0: Still say he's balling. <laughs> Right now until I actually see that fight, still a lot of hype on it. Uh jury's still out. So
1: it's cooling off though. I mean it seems like it is really the yeah. the talk and the buzz is kinda cooling up.
0: Yeah, it's kind of cooling off now because uh, uh, I guess the sideshow w- with the 50-state uh, uh, circus that they were doing is kind of cooled off, and now they got to really get down to the training part of it because you're really getting close. So right now I'm going to still say he's balling right now uh, up until, you know, fighting. We'll see what happens after that.
1: Well, I'll say he's balling only because, uh, I mean, he's going to get a big paycheck, and we what's going to happen is what we knew would happen all along. You know, I mean, Florida have a relatively easy time. Uh, of handling him. so But again, a big paycheck, biggest of his life, biggest he'll ever have. And so he's balling. Candidate number two, balling the fall in Dallas Keiko, Cy Young winning pitcher, 2015 Cy Young winning pitcher for the Houston Astros. Now he started off 7-0 and before a couple of stints on the disabled list. And he just came back, and he, he had his first loss, and he kind of struggled the first game out. But he was really critical of the Astros for not making a bigger deal for the trade deadline, where you see uh, Sonny Gray got moved, you see you Darvis get moved, and the Astros only added Francisco Liriana to a really struggling bullpen. And so that's unheard of for the Astros organization to be critical because he basically said, look, we didn't do anything. It's the same team we've always had, uh, I guess, you know, Albert would play for the 25 guys that are in this locker room. Is he balling or falling?
0: I think he's balling. Um, being critical, uh, I think he's deserving where he can actually speak out. I don't like when players start lashing out, saying, hey, what we need, because I think that's a slap in the face to the other guys that you go to war with every day. So with the with, but, with okay, the reference so that they he, have,
1: should he hide his true opinions? No, but no, no, because no. again, uh, if you are saying, look, we don't have enough, and it's obvious. And baseball is different from basketball in that, as a pitcher, you can only do what you can do. You 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 may swing the bat if you in in the National League, but all you can do is go out there and pitch the best game you can pitch. Right. but uh, so uh, you can recognize he knows they, they may not have enough. I mean, well, it may City not
0: United have S- enough in the bullpen, but I think with the, what the organization is looking at, I think they're saying our starting pitching is enough and the bats are being swung well enough where we can get the runs and have these cushions. But he's not in the wrong for for saying what they need, but I think they're still balling because I think they still have enough.
1: Well, the Astros, I think, uh, well, they're kind of falling right now, and you, they have some real question marks, but I think Dallas Keiko is, is – Although in my book he's balling for what he did, but really, honestly, that's he's kind of falling because again, Thank you're being critical mind. of your team. That doesn't boost morale for your squad. That right. just doesn't. Was, but
0: I mean, he he's earned that reputation where he can say that. But you got to look at Carrera still out. Got a couple. Uh, McHugh is out. Yeah. Springer's out. So that's once you that's get that what back, saying. you you'll be okay. You know, when you win and you 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 don't hear this, but you you lose two or three, then. The chirping stuff. And and, and
1: you wonder how, you know, Well, he, he had a neck injury and you wonder, okay, is this going to linger? Can he get back to form? Because then he was undefeated for, you know, for the first part of the season. And since he's been back, he's been getting knocked around a little bit. Maybe he can regain it. Yeah,
0: get some of his timing back. He'll be all right. Yeah.
1: And, well, a lot of time left, but you you feel other teams coming on. They just got, you know, lost Don't three in a, in a row heat. to the to the Rays. But, I mean, you still have Boston out there, the Yankees. You 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 know you have some teams out there. Uh, nobody in the division. They'll clearly win their division. But uh, Cleveland is a team you have to worry about if you uh, – or the, uh, the Astros on the way to, you know. Again, I think they may have gotten hot too early. Because, you know, late in the season, it's all about who's hot, who's pitching is on time, and that he got off to such a phenomenal start. I mean, and you talk about the Dodgers and the NL, boy, they're doing they're work too. A and to you well had, too. Yeah, and UA and you darvish So, yeah, interesting baseball is really, really in the swing of things, and it's getting a lot more interesting. Finally, Doc Rivers. Stripped of his general manager title in Los Angeles for the Clippers. Uh, he. Uh, in addition to that, he lost Chris Paul in the offseason. You hear some criticism, true, founded or unfounded, about his, his relationship with his son on the team and the favoritism he shows his son. Is Doc Rivers balling or falling?
0: He's not falling. He's fell off a cliff. <laughs> <not>
2: falling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> falling can't get up? <laughs> no, he can't get up. He don't have the button to push, so he... He's falling. A lot of bad moves, I think. As and and bad years.
1: rumors saying that they could have gotten Paul George, but he didn't want to – no, it was Carmelo, but didn't want to part with his son and stuff like that yeah. that wasn't true. I
0: mean, but he, he has other bad moves other than just his son. I think some of the acquisitions that he made there that really wouldn't push them over the top. And then when you – you're losing Chris Paul and things like that. But I think they lucked out on the back end with all, everything they got from Houston. But as an executive, he's falling.
1: Yeah, I think Doc is falling. I think that you can kind of see the handwriting on the wall. I don't think – I think those are two distinct jobs in the NBA. You have to have a GM and a coach. He couldn't handle both. And I think the the issue with his son is an issue, whether it's real or perceived. You know, I – it's hard i think it's natural to say oh he only kept him because he's his son and there's more scrutiny on their relationship and on both of their performances and so i think yeah i think doc is falling
3: i keep on falling
1: so uh, i think we sort of agree on that one with that we're going to transition to a brand new segment something we ran on the uh, the houston show The local show, some time ago, we had some interns do it. And we're bringing in a theatrical person. Let me tell you who she is. This is Kalina Satuka. Now, you'll remember that name. And if you don't already know the name from the stages of theaters all around Houston, (laughs) you soon will know her for her, uh, her contributions to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Now, she's a thespian, and I brought her in because I thought she'd do a great job talking about sports entertainment. So this is where, you know, we talk about the guys off the court and off the field and get into some of their things. So tell people a little bit about yourself. Give us the cliff note versions of uh of the, the Kalina story.
2: Well, I think you did a good job of it, Devin. Thank you so much. I'm a an act, professional actor in Houston and, yeah, a good friend of Devin's.
1: So yeah, this is this is like my my theatrical soulmate. I met her because first of all, I birthed her career. All right. <laughs> so, no, actually, I casted her in something as a director. What three four years ago now, mm-hmm. and yep. she has not stopped working since. And she helped me produce my uh, play, uh, dysfunctional family album. So I I will be eternally grateful to her for that. So even if she sucks at this. It doesn't matter. She's oh, right. she, she's balling <laughs> in my book. So Kev, let me ask you this, Kev. So having an actor on a sports show, you know, I thought about like, what if she did like, did some of the sports stories in character? Like we can give her a character to, you know, and and, I, and now, this is what she and I have a disconnect. She's a she's a sci-fi fan. Are you in the? You like Star Trek? Or? No. no, no, no. Me neither. No. I'm no. not a. I'm not a Trekkie. I'm not no. a, a Battlestar. What are some of the others you like?
2: Good. Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek, Star Wars.
1: Star I've Trek. only seen one Star Wars, and that was the first one. So, you know, I'm lost on all the others. So what What I was thinking, of, Kalina, have you ever heard of a show called Good Times?
2: Of course. Yes.
1: Could you do, like, a not this episode, but in the future, yeah, a, sport, a,
2: a no. sports <laughs> episode
1: right. where you're Esterole? <laughs> oh no, not at all. <laughs> what about what about Jack K from Two Two Seven?
2: Wasn't it Hey Hey? Oh, see, it's awful. Oh Lord.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to think of a, a, a character that we will both know. Maybe you can do sports as as uh, what Blanche Dubois from Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs>
2: no, how about I, I do? How about I do sports entertainment as Kalina?
1: All right. Well, all right. you know we, we have some stuff coming up for you. I guarantee you, right. we're gonna work this in. <laughs> We got Kevin and I got to put our heads together. Biscuit has to get in on this one.
0: My thing is, I, I'm listening at how you're building her up. And you said that you all been friends for a few years. Huh? Right. What did she do wrong? <laughs> Why does she deserve that man No, young man, This, this, this that, is a man. showcase I, for her talent
1: I, Do you know how many I, thousands I want, of people Will come into contact with her Because of the sports talk with I'm W8 the only one
0: put up with you man <laughs> Man you brought this poor young lady Into this man We'll,
1: we'll see I, I think she'll do just fine So without further ado here is Sports E! This week in Sports E! Sports E! Entertainment! 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 Entertainment.
0: The E is for entertainment.
2: (laughs) All right. So LeVar Ball, ever eager to bring attention to himself his kids and his company is in the news again. So earlier this week, I don't know if you heard it, uh, Michael Jordan reportedly said about Ball, I don't think he could beat me even if I was one-legged. And that's rightfully so, right? Right, he's yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> Right. Okay.
1: But but you know what? He wins in that uh, Michael Jordan says his name. So he's already won by Michael Jordan acknowledging his existence. Yes. So LaVar Ball got exactly what he won in that scenario.
2: Of course. And so he got even more attention. So in response, Ball replied, I could beat him with one hand tied behind my back, with some glasses on, with one eye lens out, with some flip flops, on in the rain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it does just straight from pro wrestling. I'm telling you, man, it's straight from pro wrestling.
2: So obviously, this isn't about who could be who. What is Ball doing?
1: He's just trying to garner attention, like, and and he succeeded. So he did exactly what he set out to do in getting Michael Jordan to mention his name. So anytime you mention his name, I guess the an angel loses her wings, <laughs> his or her wings, and and the ball presumably makes a couple dollars. I see. I've gone back and forth with him. I have I was on his side and then you hear about this whole stuff with uh him kicking the referees out and again with the women thing and I don't you know, I don't I don't know. I go back and forth with him, but I was liking him for a minute. I hated him first, and I kinda liked him a little bit. And now I'm kinda getting sick of him and the NBA season can't come fast enough.
2: Absolutely. Well not Michael Jordan is not the only one saying his name, Shaq. Because we all know about Shaq's very illustrious rapping career. He has also put out a LeVar Ball diss track. Have you seen it, Devin?
1: No, I I have not.
2: Well, I've watched the video for you. And? Uh, If you like Shaq 20 years ago, you'll love this video. (laughs) And I picked out a line just for you. I love this. This is one of his uh, lines in his track. You want to battle D's, you better have endurance. Before you crash, man, that general insurance. Or get some icy hot, rub it on your back before you break that expletive going round with Shaq. So he dissed Ball and plugged icy hot
1: and uh, <laughs> the general insurance called the general. I don't know if you've seen ah, yes. it. Well, uh, hey, let me ask Kim: Are you sick of? Are you sick of Shaq? I mean, are we getting tired of Shaq? No,
0: can uh, never get sick of.
1: See, you, you know, I look. You you look at the, the he and uh, on TNT. I, I could do without Shaq. I've grown accustomed to, accustomed to him. But I could do without Shaq on the show. I I'll give me Kenny, Ernie and, and, and but the Charles. Thing about, and about, somebody else.
0: But see the thing about Shaq, he knows his role there. When you put magic on there, he talks too much. But see Shaq plays his role and then he and, and Charles Gets into the little spats again. Yeah, I don't I think mean, he adds as good.
1: much insight as, as Kenny and, and, and no, Charles. So. No. Not what else you have for us, Kalina?
2: So I don't know if this is entertainment, but at uh, the end, NCAA, uh, NCAA could potentially be behind the times as they are responsible for making the University of Central Florida kicker Donald De ineligible to play football and thereby losing a scholarship. So De La Hay, uh, he was the kicker and he has a YouTube page with a lot of cute and funny dramatized videos of him. You should check him out. And he's collected over 100,000 subscribers, but the NCAA and the NUCF says that he has to stop monetizing his YouTube page, and the NCAA wants him to give up some of those profits. Delahaye refused. UCF made him ineligible, and his coach allegedly told him that he won't keep an ineligible player on his team. So that means he loses his scholarship.
1: Really, that's a conversation on, on to itself. When you, and I'm bringing in Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, somebody to talk about that. But you talk about all the millions and millions of dollars. And this kid has a YouTube channel that he developed himself outside of football, not because of his football persona, but, it, you know, aside from that. And now he's kicked off the team. I mean, I don't think we've heard the last of that story.
2: Absolutely not. And he brings up a good point. All these other kids can have their own YouTube pages too, but he cannot. And that's a shame. But go ahead and check him out and support him because apparently he'll need to.
1: What's his name again?
2: His name is Donald Delahaye.
1: Yeah, see, when you put the Dela and all, it gets complicated. (laughs) So you have to keep saying that. And what do you have one more item for? Finally,
2: LeBron James can add Food King to his resume. Uh, James has invested in Blaze, which is a build-it-yourself quick food uh, pizza restaurant. So basically, it's like a cafeteria-style bar. And no,
1: it's a cross between, and and uh, and I, the reason why I mentioned this to you, it's a cross between like Subway, yes. and like you know some kind of pizza
2: place. Yeah, you choose the toppings you want on it, and then they go ahead and put it in the oven for you. So they, um, he invested in this five years ago. And this week marks their 200th restaurant opening, making Blaze the fastest growing chain restaurant ever. But he and
1: his partners invested a million dollars?
2: Yes. And last year is $185 million just last year.
1: And he profited, what, 25? I, I want to say the number was 25 like million. It, yeah. So you invest a million and make $25 million. That's That's one thing you can say about LeBron. He's a hell of a businessman, and he gets it done. Because I went to Blaze. It, there, there's one, a couple of them in, in the greater Houston area. And it's a cool, different kind of thing. It's sort of, I mean, not to just, unless they want to, you know, be sponsored the show. But the, it's, <laughs> it, it's delightful and delicious. And I recommend that you... That Blaze, but there's no nothing sports oriented about it. It's mm-hmm. not your mom and dad's pizza parlor.
2: If you want a fast, quick pizza that you can choose these very interesting toppings, then you should go to Blaze.
1: So yeah. that is sports eat, sports entertainment. How was that? You enjoy that?
2: I enjoyed it. It's great. Yeah. Thank you for having me on.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> we we look to have you on in the future. Want to shift gears here? Want to go to our We the People segment? That is where we have a uh, poll on our on my uh, sports talk with Devin Wade group page, Kev. And the question this week was, will Colin Kaepernick play in the NFL this season?
0: At first, I said no, but now I'm kind of shifting gears, and uh, I think he will play because the injuries are coming too fast. So it's going to force one of the owners' hands to hate say, Hey, look, we're going to have to you know bite this and go ahead and take this guy. And like I've shared with you many a time. A lot of people are saying what Colin Kaepernick should do and what he shouldn't do. And I kind of sit back and thought about him saying during this whole situation, he's not saying anything. Uh, his message has has gone across. That's why everybody's still talking about it, keeping him relevant. Uh, but and, and I'll tell you job. what,
1: and, and I looked, I finally looked at his uh, his his Twitter page, and it's a it's a lot of activism and not not he's not saying what I would like to hear him say. And and I have to say this that I have really kind of gotten more demoralized as this situation has played out. And I was wanting to say way back in January, February, March, he'll be on a team, no worries, he's not being blackballed. But now you're starting to see, yeah, it's it's getting to be bad. You have people talking about boycotting the NFL. But I think, again, I want to hear him say, I want to play. But, Put the pressure back on the owners.
0: No, no, but I, I think he's playing it smart when I look at it now as far as that part. I don't think the situation that he put himself into and you and I've shared that part. I don't think that was smart, but what he's doing now is sitting back and now eventually they'll have to reach out to him. So now they'll play in his hands and then he can play it. Uh Man to his own accord.
1: Well, we'll have to see and we've talked about this in a couple of episodes and again, if he he's not signed soon, I'm sure the the conversation will continue uh and will be extended. So that's something to look out for, but our pollsters, our our well, our uh, respondents said uh and actually I just put yes or no, but someone added only if enough pressure is applied. And it was really cut 50-50. Uh half the people thought that if enough pressure is applied, he would play. And the other said, yes. So there's at least among my listeners and, and the folks that voted on uh, the sports talk with Devin Way page, there's a lot of optimism that we will see Colin Kaepernick, but you're starting to see videos and social media movements. Uh, and really, this is getting to be a, a, I mean, more than a hot button issue. It's something that could damage the NFL financially And I don't know if they'll admit that, and I don't know if it'll ring true. We'll have to see. Richard Sherman came out this week and and said some things, and a couple other players as well. So right now, our our listeners are are pretty optimistic that this will happen. Another issue that's affecting the NFL uh, comes in our quote of the week. Quote, uh, oh, actually, quoted episode because we're gonna do more episodes than once a week. I'll get used to doing a weekly show here in Houston. But here's the the quote of the episode. Quote, I can't lie, we're all scared. We're concerned because we don't know what the future holds. When I'm at home and I do something, if I forget something, I have to stop to think. Is it because I'm getting older or because I'm not using my brain or is it the effect of playing football? I don't know that. That quote came from uh, Terrell Davis, and he was talking about CTE. Uh, And that quote came courtesy of the Denver Post. And we're starting to see more and more discussions about brain injuries. And, again, I think a couple years ago, Troy Aikman said that the NFL was in its heyday and that it's going to go downhill from here. And it looks like – it looks like – I mean, although we're a long way off, we're not there yet, it looks like that the NFL has some major problems that they have to to conquer because, again, what's going to happen, we won't see this for 10 or 15 years. If you see a, a major decline in youth football, which we're seeing, and you see less kids playing, and then you have guys playing shorter careers, and then I have a cousin. She feels, you know, almost she has, she knows a friend, you know, who suffers some effects, some, some potential CTE-like effects uh, because of football. They feel guilty about watching football. I'm not to a point where I feel guilty about watching football yet because I think there's more evidence that needs to be obtained before I'm committed to saying This is just, you know. I mean, I think it's evidence that it's not good, obviously. But what number? And and I know the study came out and said, you know, 110 out of 111 tested had CTE. Um, But you know, every football player. I mean, we know. I mean, you look at the Hall of Fame this weekend. Every player is not suffering from CTE. So I I don't know. I think the jury's kind of still out on that. But
0: what some of the the players are going to have to do is start taking more control of it. They're going to have to start stepping up and and start playing, I think, uh, shorter careers and taking care of their money a little bit better where you can get in and get out and always say, hey, get it and get out because when you're done, you're done. And now we're seeing some of the effects with these older guys where the damage was done. So – they, they, they're they going to have to step up and just take more control of their career.
1: Uh, and i tell you what, that's something we will follow as well. I'm going to trust that technology uh, will start to get it right. With that, going to end the first half of this episode of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Coming up in part two, our conversation of, with Texas Southern University Athletic Director Dr. Charles McClellan. On the other side, this is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Episode twenty-five of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, and as promised, a visit from Dr. Charles McClellan, the athletic director for Texas Southern University. We want to talk a little bit about some HBCU sports, and really about him and his journey. So uh, we decided to class up the joint a little bit. Good, uh, good afternoon, uh, Dr. McClellan. First of all, thanks for joining us.
3: Oh, my pleasure.
1: Well, you know, it's a very important position as an athletic director and and a a crucial time for HBCUs. I want to talk first and foremost, give uh, folks a little bit uh, of your personal history and how you came to be uh, the athletic director here, because it's not your first stint as athletic director for HBCU.
3: No, it's not. And I came to Texas Southern by way of Prairie View. I graduated from Prairie View in 1993 as an accountant no athletic experience. And, you know, Purview had a history of losing. We lost 86 football games in a row. ESPN voted us as the worst athletics program in the nation. And because we were so bad, there was nobody legitimate that wanted the job. And I kind of worked my way up through from the accounting office. I worked in the architecture. I worked in student affairs, worked in financial aid. And then President Hines created a committee to talk about what was wrong with the institution and improvements for the institution. And at the time, I was in the architecture department, and the only thing I talked about was athletics, football, and I felt like we could do this, we could do that. And I had relationships with the SWAC. I served on the athletic council. I was golf coach there for a couple years. I did the radio with Charles Porter, and he said light bulb went off. If I'm going to take a chance, I might as well take a chance on one of our own. So out of the clear blue sky, he offered me the job.
1: What, what was that phone call like? I mean, did well, you anticipate it at all?
3: No, I didn't because I was doing everything that I could because I was passionate about athletics. But my trajectory was I wanted to become assistant dean and go through that academic route. And when I got the call, I told him I needed to think about it. And I called my father and he said, well, did you accept it? I said, no. I said, every Athletics Director at took the job, been fired. I'm 20, <laughs> 29 years old. I can't afford to start over. He said, that's an opportunity of a lifetime. And my former boss, which is one of the best bosses I've had, Ickley Sabuni, she's the Dean of Architecture, she said, Charles, if it doesn't work, you can always come back to architecture. But part of what I felt that I brought was that financial background, the reconciliation, the the being able to account for the dollars and some of the things that we did to help improve Purview was we went to financial aid and at the time the football team only had 13 scholarships. Everybody else was, you know, 63, 56. And I came up with this plan and I was the youngest athletics director in the nation division one at 29. And I came up with this plan which everybody said wasn't going to work. And it was kind of clear to me as you know, 80% of our students are on financial aid. 80% of our athletes are on financial aid. Why can't we use financial aid to help them with their scholarships? Because in the NCAA, if you're recruited, financial aid counts. So if you get a full scholarship, athletic money, and you get financial aid, the financial aid has to count first. So we were successful in monitoring that financial aid, making sure that they applied first, making sure they applied early. And we were able to increase our scholarships to full in football, and then we subsequently did it all to the other sports. Uh, we went from 13 to 63, and in two years, you know, we started to win. And then I was there for seven years, and we had won a total of 18 championships, which was the most of any era at Purview. Uh, and then at the time, that's when Dr. Rulley called and say, well, we have another challenge for you. We want you to come and try to <laughs> – uh, take care of Texas Southern. We have some compliance and some academic issues and some competitive issues. But coming to Texas Southern truly changed my life. It changed my life, you know, with my boys. It changed my life financially. And I am eternally indebted to Texas Southern. So much so, Texas Southern is, is home to me. And uh, I'm I'm very proud to be a Texas Southern Tiger.
1: It's such a, a an important role because if you – fail at a big school well you know that means you set the program back if you fail at, at the time when you came in if you fail at Prairie View, you may lose your major sports
3: yes well we were on the verge of losing athletics and that's ultimately where I Prairie View was in that losing era that canceled athletics I went to Prairie View with the hopes to play I wasn't that good Devin mm-hmm. so but I thought I was gonna be able to play basketball and I got there they canceled the entire athletics program they brought it back in 1991, but they brought it back as a non-scholarship sport. Now, I'm not smart. I was about a 2.0 student, <laughs> but I had enough sense to know, no scholarships, you're going to get your butt whooped. And I decided just to concentrate on academics, which ultimately led me to become an athletics director. So it's funny how things work out, but we were definitely in jeopardy of being put out of the swag. There was talk about kicking Purview out of the Southwestern Athletic Conference forcing Prairie to go division two or division three so the stakes were high and in a lot of instances I was kind of the last straw Purview, if you don't get your act together this time you're in trouble and with all of those high stakes they turned to a 29 year old <laughs> kid that had absolutely no experience in division one athletics and I took a lot of heat you know for being that person but you know 2 years in we won a basketball regular season championship and you know the momentum kind of to Go our way, and we had some up and down years, and then that fifth year is when everything kind of took off.
1: And just to understand HBCU historically black uh, colleges universities, yes. so when you hear that, so the acronym for a lot of folks who are not familiar, but talk a little bit about the challenges that come with with HBCUs and with smaller universities. Period. I mean, because there are a lot of uh, uh, pluses, a lot of tradition, a lot of legacy stuff that comes with it on the plus side, but there are also a lot of lot of challenges. Talk a little bit about some of those
3: that's a very good question Devin and I'm going I'm gonna answer that from a different approach I think everybody sees the FBS programs Texas A&M with 192 million dollars worth of revenue and all of the money and a lot of HBCUs look to the FBS programs and try to bring athletic directors in and oftentimes they're not successful being an athletics director at an HBCU or a lower resource institution is totally different than being an athletic director at even U of H U of H has, you know, their basketball games are going to be over here. They played one game last year. They had more people on their basketball logistics staff than I do in my entire athletics staff. Right. So their athletic director, his primary responsibility is fundraising, right? Fundraising is one tenth of the 10 other things that I have to do. So, when you start talking about the challenges of an HBCU athletics director, I really can't tell you because that's all that I've been. My mother went to Alcorn, HBCU, father went to Alcorn, HBCU, sister went to Southern University, I went to Prairie View, my oldest son is here at Texas Southern, my wife went to Grambling, and my youngest son is coming to Texas Southern. Just
1: just swag through and through.
3: I don't know anything <laughs> else but this, Right. right. So... When you start talking about challenges of not having enough resources, I had to sit in the financial aid line for two days to get my financial aid to go to school, right? I had to ride the buses to go on the trip. It's what I know. So I'm able to maneuver through a lot of things, let's say, coming down from the FBS side that you had never experienced before in your life. So those challenges that you would think that I would have, I don't look at them as challenges because it's been every day. You know, life for me I, I, I watched it from ground up when I was a little kid going on the reservation at Alcorn mm-hmm. and had to sit in those uh, splintered seats and you know you stacked on top of each other because they only had 3,000 seats and then when you go to the Jackson State game I mean it's all that I knew right. so it wasn't anything that I was afraid of you knew how to manipulate and maneuver through so the challenges of HBCU to me is probably one of my biggest advantages because I'm able to maneuver through it a lot quicker than some of the other athletic directors. And they have to figure out that, and then they have to figure out the job. How I already, to do it with less, right?
1: And, and I say this all the time when you come, even from a broadcasting standpoint for, for us, as you know, I've done Texas South Broadcast, Texas Southern University football for twenty plus years you know, if you, I can do more with less. So if I was able to have, you know, statisticians right by me and and a bunch of producers helping me, I I, it would only help me. But you take some of the guys that are doing that and then you put them in a situation where you a one-man band essentially uh, and it gets a lot more difficult. So uh, do you ever imagine or think about a, a time where, man, what if I had a, a $50 million, $200 million, $300 million budget, whatever. I mean, you know.
3: I wouldn't know how to act, Devin. I would be like the guy that won the lottery but still stayed in the same I wouldn't know how to act with, you know, all of those. It would, yeah, The
1: University of Texas, each locker costs
3: $8,700. I wouldn't know how to act. <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't know how to that, act. That
1: is astronomical. Uh, on a, a different scale, talk a little bit about the future. And then maybe this not even a sports question, but. You know, it seems like every few years HBCUs are, are threatened or, or people question their the, the necessities for those. Talk a little bit about this since you are uh, really a swag kid through and through and, and you've spent your entire life surrounded by
3: HBCUs. Well, and not to get too political, but I think Trump will help HBCUs tremendously under his uh, leadership and presidency. is looking at me like, <laughs> Why, what in I, the world I, are you talking about? I understand But, you know, uh, Jeff Sessions just came out, and they're attacking affirmative action now. So they're suing institutions that discriminated against the majority population. That's going to make HBCUs even more viable when the federal government is saying, There is no more affirmative action. Everybody is on the same playing field. I think that's going to strengthen HBCUs because now a lot of the individuals that was trying to get into the University of Texas that they're going to deny will come to Texas Southern in Prairie View. I don't think they were trying to help us intentionally, but I think, you know, some of the unintended consequences of some of the actions. But HBCUs are extremely viable. I firmly believe that they're not going to go anywhere. I think politically we're strong. Uh, you even look at the politics in the state of Texas. There are as many politicians that graduated from TSU in the Texas legislature than there is from Texas A&M. Now, the law school has a lot to do with it. A lot of them are, you know, non-black, non-traditional students. They're law schools. They're pharmacists. But our academic programs have afforded us to have a significant amount of weight in Austin. I've gone to Austin a lot of times. I've testified in a lot of committees. When I was at Prairie View, I used to hear U of H is going to take over Texas Southern, U of H isn't. There's not enough political strength from what I've seen for U of H to do it. Texas Southern has more political strength in Austin than U of H has in Austin, just based upon the contacts, the graduates. So I think that we're going to be here for quite a while. I think HBCUs are going to be here. There probably will be a continued attack on HBCUs, so I think you will probably see the number get smaller. But I do think that, you know, when you look at Morehouse and Spelman and even Purview and Texas Southern, if you want a law degree, you're going to go to Southern and the South. You're going to go to Southern or Texas Southern. If you want to be a pharmacist, you're going to come to Texas Southern. If you want to be an engineer, you go to Purview. Those things are not going to change, in my opinion. And I think under this new presidential administration, it's only going to make those programs stronger by one of those unintended consequences.
1: Now, well, from a an athletic standpoint, as we talk a lot about the focus here, a lot is a lot about the swag. But well, talk a little bit about the differences in being the athletic director for a SWAC school as opposed to uh, a CIAA or MIAC, or what are some of the regional differences that that you see uh, among the HBCUs?
3: There's not much difference between a SWAC school and a CIAA school or a SIAC school. There are some, you know, Texas Southern is one of the largest. I think we're like the third or fourth largest HBCU in the nation. But you look at a school like Alcorn State that have 3,200 students. There are some schools that are in the CIAA, which is Division Two, that have more students than Alcorn. Uh, Tuskegee, when Kamiji was there, Kamiji was making more as a football coach than the majority of the SWAC schools. So there's not much difference uh, as it comes to operations. Most of them have a lesser number of sports because that's predicated on the budget. And you'll see that the SWAC schools should have, on the whole, a greater level of competitive advantage because we're able to offer more scholarship. But that's probably the only difference that I will see. And that's, you know, we're Division One, they're Division 2 We're able to give more scholarships, so we're a step up from their league. But when you compare institution to institution, not much different. And you could put Tuskegee in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and they'll have a shot every year of winning the SWAC championship or the MEAC championship because they concentrate on that particular sport. You look at some of the schools, Bowie State women's basketball years ago, they won or at least made it to the national championship game. They could have come into SWAC and the MEAC. So different schools have focuses on different sports. I think in the SWAC and the MEAC, you see us kind of focus on sports across the board, and that's coming down to funding and revenue.
1: Now, I want to ask you, transitioning to the the SWAC, a lot of controversy around the SWAC. I'm going to ask you some difficult questions about that. SWAC uh, eliminates uh, the championship game after uh, the 2017 championship. Give me your thoughts uh, about that, because there are a lot of people that are, are really unhappy about that, and it seems sort of... And again, this is just my opinion. It seems short-sighted. What are your thoughts on, on the elimination of the Swag championship game?
3: Well, I didn't like it. Uh, the athletic directors, we talked about it. Uh, it was something that went from the commissioner to the president. I understand why the decision was made. The decision, at least as it was explained to the group when I was sitting in the meeting, was it was based upon the financial impact. Uh, the game was supposedly losing money. I know that there's been some different statements that have, might have contradicted that, but at least that was my understanding, uh, that it was a financial, and we wanted to concentrate on the Celebration ball. I have always been a proponent of playing games and playing your championships and having a true champion. Institutions and conferences all over the nation are creating legislation, trying to get legislation voted in to add games. We're taking a national televised championship game away in my opinion that helped strengthen the celebration bowl i think that there's another argument to the celebration bowl yes fans had to go from bayou classic if it was a bayou classic participant to the next week to houston to the next week to atlanta but how hey how
1: often is that gonna happen
3: and let's say it happens every year i still think that there's enough of our dollars to go around for you to be able to do it because in order for that game in Atlanta to be successful, you're going to have to get some Atlanta residents to go. In order for the game in Houston to be successful, you're going to have to get some Houston residents to go. The same way in order for the game in Baton Rouge, excuse me, in New Orleans to be successful. I know Southern and Gramley pretty much brings everybody, but the city of New Orleans is vested. That's a more than just Southern alum and Grambling alum go it's to the bike class. a destination because it becomes such right. a huge event. And I think the right approach was building the championship game up as a destination. And I've always been for playing the championship game, making the champion clear. We're now in a seven-game format, which means that there are two teams on the other side that we don't play. For us, we're going to play one, but it's not going to count in the standing, which is Alcorn. Right. Allcorn, and Jackson – are ranked, I think they're one and three. So the first and the third best team in the East, we don't play for the next two years. In my mind, it gives Texas Southern a competitive advantage. And again, that's based upon preseason polls. Nobody knows what preseason polls I uh, would say. That gives us a a, a competitive advantage other than a purview that have to play those, you know, two teams. So it's an unfair process. And then No championship game, no East-West, you're only playing seven games. If there's a tie and they say they're coming out with a tiebreaker and there's always going to be a tie, it could very well come down to a coin toss. So we could be sending our champion to the Celebration Bowl on a coin toss. toss And unless Texas Southern was the winner of the coin toss, I would always be totally (laughs) against it.
1: And and I don't want to turn this into a a thing where, uh, you know, sort of being – uh, overly critical of the Southwest Athletic Conference, but it seemed to me one of the things that I thought for a long time and I thought I loved the concept of what they were trying to do. They were trying to recreate uh, with the basketball tournament what they did in the, in the MEAC and how big that is and you bring in entertainers and, and I think those things are, are, are great. Uh, one of the things I thought about and you can give me your thoughts on this uh, I thought Thought that it's time for the swag headquarters to move to a city like Houston, and and uh, the reason why is because you more easily can build those relationships with major corporate sponsors that are based here in Houston. It's so much money here, so many, uh, so many opportunities to to get uh, investment, and, and not only I think it would help with bring more. Um, media attention to the great the great Houston area, uh, this pipe, the fourth largest city in the United States, to uh, bring people into your events and to buy into uh, the swag. What are your thoughts on, on that?
3: Well, I would just say absolutely to everything that you just said. Uh, the sports authority is here. Their responsibility is to bring events to Houston and help those events to be successful. This is a sports town. It's a fickle sports town. They like winter. That's the reason why I felt that the championship game was so important here. You're talking about 40,000 year one, 37,000 year two. It dropped down in year three, but I think that there were some reasons uh, that it dropped down that didn't have anything to do with the two teams that were here. But there were other ways, in my opinion, to savor the championship game without doing it, you know, doing away with it. To have the conference office here in Houston would definitely put you in the center of a lot of money. Uh, yeah, those cocktail oil parties, oil money, <laughs> electric, you know, electric money, gas money, money yeah. energy money, uh, industry money. You know, there's a lot of resources. That are, and I, I'm speaking not knowing what's in Birmingham because I haven't been a part of the Birmingham structure, Fiber. But I'm interested I mean, involved in Houston. Birmingham, Houston, there's right. no comparison. Well, I'm interested I mean, involved in, Houston, in Birmingham, And yeah. I know exactly how much money is floating around in Houston. And if you get in the right corners and the right pockets, you know, that championship game, in my opinion, should have been paid for before we even sold a ticket. And I think that there's enough money for it to happen because, again. You know, I mean, it's
1: football in Texas, right. for one. And then the basketball tournament, I think, you know, if you have all all team, uh, 10 teams involved, I think that's a, a big deal too.
3: Right. When you look at all of our sponsors, some cash, some in-kind for Texas Southern, we're doing about $650,000 a year. That's Texas Southern. You're talking about a nationally televised championship game. We could generate a million dollars in sponsorship, in my opinion. And it doesn't all have to be cash. It could be in-kind. So when the teams come, you get free hotel rooms in exchange of television commercials. You know, you go to the Sheraton, which is our host hotel. You give them a national television commercial. They give you free rooms, right? right? So there are ways to do this whole thing to make it viable, I just think we all needed how, to come together.
1: How do you all communicate amongst the other athletic directors in the conference with the, the SWAT commissioner and, and Dua Sharp?
3: Uh, the communication is there. I would say, you know, we have meetings, conference calls four times a year, and we have in-person meetings uh, twice a year. So the communication is there, you know, from my athletic director's Perspective. I think that communication could be better just because we're there and we're talking. You know, my cousin told me one time, I'm listening to you, but I'm not hearing what you're saying. Or I hear what you're saying, but I'm not really listening to you, I think is what he told me. And I think some of that is going on 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 both sides because the agenda of the athletic directors oftentimes don't line up with the agenda of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And you think that it should, but oftentimes it doesn't.
1: The greater good and all those sorts well, of things. Well, and, and
3: i give you, and I'm one of the major actors of, I'm tired of being a part of the greater good because you're constantly hurting my program. Uh, this apparel deal, this Nike and Russell, Texas Southern has been trying to get out of it forever. Uh, the president's finally voted eight to two that we're not going to enter into another conference-wide apparel deal. Well, we entered into that apparel deal because certain schools like Texas Southern, Southern, Grambling, Jackson, Alcorn—not not Alcorn, but Purview could get their own apparel deal, but there are other schools that couldn't. So it was less everybody join in to help, them. to help, which was good. But it started to become where Texas Southern was spending two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and we were funding where other schools were spending less than fifty thousand dollars a year. But I, wasn't, I was getting the same thing as old schools. And then I had other companies coming in and say, hey, we're gonna triple what you're already getting. And my response was either allow me to get more from this deal or let me go to get my own deal. So the conference office is saying, no, we all have to stay in this thing together. Texas Southern is saying, well, I want to help, but not in the detriment the, uh, of um, Texas Southern. Right. So, again, there was a lot of talking, but not necessarily a lot of listening. And I think what you've seen over the years is that pools of schools have kind of gotten together to say, let's try to move the conference in one direction, and other pools have gotten together and say, well, let's try to keep it in this direction. And then the conference office is trying to battle a balance all those, of those two entities right. and what we have to do is create a system where we're all together but everybody benefits and i think that there's a way to do it
1: and the other part of that is the the, uh, the communication between the the athletic directors is one thing but now you bring in the the university presidents it, it seemed to be especially with the swag championship thing because i would imagine and i don't know you know better than i do <laughs> what what was the consensus among the other athletic directors, uh, about the Swag Championship game?
3: Well, in our meeting again, it's hard to argue uh, when the financials are given to you uh, or at least the numbers are given to you and it's saying that we're in a significant loss. It's hard to argue let's keep something going when it's showing that the money isn't being made. So I think the overall consensus was based upon that particular fact that I'm not going to object. Right. But I don't think that there was any discussion about how to save it, nor did the athletic directors get called in to say, let's talk about how to save it. It was more of the commissioner ticket to the president's and it was a president slash commissioner decision. I would have liked for some conversation to have occurred to say, what can we do to try to save the game first? But I think several of the athletic directors are saying, Everybody wants opportunity to play, and everybody wants opportunity to play on the national level. So the championship game was something that everybody liked and enjoyed. But it was hard to say, uh, let's continue to lose X amount of dollars when things are not going the way that they're supposed to."
1: Yeah, and to be. that's my question. Like, what were the contingencies? Okay, so is it all or nothing? I mean, is it a way where maybe we can go a smaller venue? Maybe we can. Uh, you what? We, what can we, you know, well, how I th- can we make maybe go to to the to ESPN and try to work a better deal there? I mean, I don't know. I don't. It just seems like an all or nothing thing. You, you just don't give away games.
3: Well, again, the commissioner. This was an initiative from the commissioner to the president. We were brought in on the discussion part. So I don't know all that the conference office did in the background. That wasn't that information wasn't given to us giving them the benefit of the doubt i'm assuming that they did all of that uh but from an athletic director standpoint would have liked the opportunity to be a part of some of those discussions so i want to ask you about the
1: the relationship between uh, the athletic directors uh, across the board i would imagine it's like uh, uh a owner and a gender manager in the nfl where you have some presidents that are much more active in athletics and you know, some that are really, you know, just cast it aside and say, hey, you handle that. A, do you see that there's such a, a varied relationship between the ADs and the 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 presidents? And B, would, do you prefer one that's more active and hands-on or a president that maybe a, a, allow you the space to do what you need to do?
3: Well, I've seen the sack is cyclical when it comes to president and athletic director's relationship. Some have good, some not so good. I think we're in an era now where a lot of the current presidents are listening to the athletic directors. But the way that the system is set up, the athletic directors meet on one day, the presidents meet on another day, and there might be some items that the presidents are talking about that the athletic directors are not talking about. So if the president and the athletic director are not squarely on the same page, the president could be put into a position where – he or she has to make a decision without getting the input from the athletic director. So it's important for the president and the AD to have a good relationship. You have some presidents that are athletic presidents, so they know more and some might think that they know more than, you know, just the normal president. So those are the ones that are probably more active in trying to funnel the conference. And again, this is true at every institution Oftentimes, the president and athletic director are not in the same direction. I go back. Dr. Lane has supported Texas Southern tremendously since he's been here. So, but he's only been here a year. I spent eight years under Dr. Rudley, so I go back under Dr. Rudley's regime. Dr. Rudley supported us without question, right? But there were some positions that Dr. Rudley took that I did not necessarily uh, take. I supported Dr. Ridley because he's my boss, right? But- one of them being allowing institutions that are under APR penalty to participate in the SWAC tournament. That was something that he was very passionate about. I wasn't quite as passionate. I didn't you know, try to overrule his thought process, and he's the boss. So if that's what you want, I'm going to give you the tools that you need in order to get it done. He wanted it because he felt that NCAA systemically was negatively impacting HBCUs. This is a SWAC tournament, not an NCAA tournament, so we should be able to decide. And if all of our teams are going to be ineligible, then let's just let them all come, right? Let's have a good tournament. I understood where he was coming from, but from a competitive side, I would have hated for Texas Southern's men's basketball being in the championship game and we're playing against an ineligible Alcorn, Alcorn beats us. We Which still, I, when right. it was
1: a, a scenario almost right. like that, exactly right. like that.
3: Right. So we go to the champion, but we go to the NCAA championship as, as a loser, loser. Right. It would have been a national embarrassment on the Southwestern. Which United it, 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 it right.
1: almost happened. Well, not almost happened, right. but it could have happened. Right.
3: So huh. there are times and instances where even the president and AD are not on the same direction. But they're on the same page. And as long as they're on the same page, I think you can move the conference along in a, in a positive state. It's when the AD and the president are not talking and a decision is made on either end, on the athletic director's end or the president's end, that counters what you're trying to do. Then that's when the problem occurs. And I've seen it happen, but we have a lot of new presidents now. I think there might be six of the ten presidents that are, that are new And, you know, there's been a lot of turnover in the presidents of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. I think that's hurt as well. As soon as a president kind of learns the ropes, then another one comes comes in. in. You look at institutions like Grambling, Alabama State, you know, they've had a tremendous amount of turnover. Southern has had three or four. Purview was the longest serving. They had turnover. Dr. Wright is gone. Dr. Rudley was one of the longest serving. He has turnover. So when you have that turnover, you're almost pressing the reset button because they're only going to meet twice. It takes a year or two for you even figure out, you know, what's going on. And that's where having a strong athletic director relationship helps you in that process.
1: Um, real quick, I know you got to go. Your role in creating an atmosphere to turn around the APR issue, can you, can you briefly explain that? Because I think – What you've done here at Texas Southern could be a prototype for HBCUs and really other schools across the board, period. Uh, If you could briefly kind of get into how you resurrected and turned around Texas Southern, because when you got here, uh, a lot of problems with APR, and and that affected scholarships and and, and postseason opportunities and all of that.
3: Well, to sum it up in one statement, we put academics over athletics, and that pretty much sums up what we did. But what that means is you sacrifice competitiveness, especially in the beginning until you can get to a certain step. And that's hard to do. It's hard to say, we know we're going to get beat, but we're going to have to recruit academic before we recruit athletes. And it's hard to make the fans understand that. It's hard to make the fans. But Texas Southern was in a position that if we didn't, there wasn't even going to be an athletics program to cheer for. We were on the death penalty phase. So if we didn't turn it around and we didn't turn it around quickly, there wouldn't have been a football team for you to go cheer for. So for us, it was easy to follow that path because we had no other path to follow. But it's a difficult path because you're sacrificing being competitive. You can no longer recruit the one and done. You can no longer recruit the student athlete that's on the bubble academically. We had to change our standard. We went from if you don't have a 2.5, you cannot come in as a transfer. If you don't have three years remaining on your clock, you cannot come in as a transfer. If you're not immediately eligible, you cannot come in as a transfer. All of those things track towards being able to graduate on time and keeping the APR number up. So there were several changes that we made in our freshman recruiting class. We told coaches, no, you can't bring this particular kid in. You have to bring this type of kid, that you're going to have to sacrifice some of your gym time for academic time. You're going to have to not schedule games at this particular time because we want to concentrate on – You know, school. We even went as far as looking at the the profile of the students, what their strengths and weaknesses were, and matching them with teachers at the institution that was able to bring out their strengths. If I'm poor in math, I'm not going to put you in that teacher that's going to move at a faster pace. We're going to put you in a teacher that's going to be able to nurture you and then put you in the the fast science class because you're a better science student we had to revamp our entire thinking. We did that. It took time, but it paid off. And simultaneously, we start working on the overall competitive side. We had to bring in individuals that understood, I have to recruit this academic person, but yet they have to be able to play ball. And then we had to convince those students because our reputation was so bad. We weren't winning, we were on NCAA probation that Texas Southern is the place for you. How do you convince them when you're on death penalty sanctions not graduating your student athletes and you're not winning. So it's the testament to the coaches, it's a testament to the staff, but it's a process. And you can see we started this process in 2010, 2011. It's 2017. And like we said earlier, we've won 17 championships in the last three years. So we're in that Texas Southern area, era, excuse me, where you're supposed to be excited, you're supposed to come because we got our stuff together right now. We got on the shiny boots. <laughs> we riding around in the new Cadillac. <laughs> we got our music bumping, and you need to come join us because this is a real good time for Texas Southern. And,
1: and that segues perfectly. And your final thoughts, uh, what do you tell uh, any, anybody coming into contact with with this podcast about Texas Southern University? I want to give you a chance to champion your, uh, your university.
3: Well, whatever you want to be, you can be it here at Texas Southern University. If you want to be a pharmacist you know, make a lot of money, you can do it here. If you want to be one of the nation's best lawyers, you can do it here. If you want to learn how to fly an airplane and work for United, you can do that here as well. If you want to be an engineer, you can do that. Whatever it is that you want to be, you can be it at Texas Southern University. Simultaneously, you can be a part of the athletics program, get on national TV, win championships. Who, if you're a student athlete, wouldn't want to play on national television? Win championships, play at the highest level, graduate with one of the best degrees, and go out and make a whole bunch of money, and live your life happily ever after. Who wouldn't want that? And, and doing
1: it in the greatest city in the world,
3: Third Ward. Like I can say whatever you want, good or bad, you can get it right here in Third Ward. You don't, you don't even need a car. It's all right here in
1: Third Ward. <laughs> hey, want to thank Dr. Charles McClellan for joining us. And again, continued success. We could talk for another hour, but I know you have to go, but again, we hope to visit with you in the near future. And thanks so much for joining us inside of the sports talk with Devin Wade podcast.
3: All right. Thank you for having me.
1: And that will do it for episode 25 of the sports talk with Devin Wade podcast. Want to thank Dr. Charles McClellan for joining us. And, uh, Again, I certainly appreciate him taking our time, Kevin.
0: Final thoughts from you? Hey, great show. Enjoy you. Wish you keep having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah,
1: that was that's the only way I can get you to listen. (laughs) On the episodes that that you're um, on. There you go. Hey, Kalina, uh, your first time. uh, We certainly appreciate it. How'd you you like it? It was great. I
2: I look forward to being back.
1: Well, we look forward to having you. Want to remind you guys to subscribe. If you write a review. Or rate us, and we, you know, we subscribe, and we can, and you know, know you're out there. I will mention you on uh, on future podcasts, and you maybe just may. Get some free sports talk with Devin Wade gear or a coffee mug out of it, and I also want to remind you guys that we have some fantasy football coming up soon with uh, Thado talking on uh, fantasy, and we're gonna preview each and every division as we lead up to the NFL season. As always, you can hit me up on Twitter at Wade's Word, and you can look us up at the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. And as always, have a great day.